going to say is, if I'm not smarter than you, why do I know more than you? Hello and good morning, New York. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, how are you, Cola? I'm all right. I love that we're recording in the morning again. Um, I I will say I I didn't sleep too well last night. Like I, but I purposely like I stayed up too late because I was like reading stuff and like looking at stuff. And then you know, like the time just gets away from you, and Mm -hmm. my body just naturally wakes me up at seven every day because of work. So and Mm -hmm. you know, anyway. So I'm just like, meh. I got my big coffee. You do. I already had uh, two and a half cups, which any of my friends listening will immediately text me when they hear this and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because caffeine and I don't mesh well. Um, but it tastes so good. Um, I didn't sleep well either. I didn't did sleep you, well either. Did you go to bed late or is it just like... Yeah, I mostly... Uh, it's because this is what fucking happens. Spooky season. I watched... Uh, um, the fucking original American Horror Story, like Murder House. Oh, yeah. I watched, so my friend and I last night watched an episode like too late at night and I always do this and I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I can't listen to like even like murder podcasts like too late at night. Like, if, especially if I'm home by myself, like yeah. I will convince myself someone's going to murder me and kill me and no one's ever going to be able to find me and I'm going to be the next episode of the podcast. Um, <laughs> like literally in a week. Uh, so I don't. And I stayed up because I also love the first season of American Horror Story. To me, that's like arguably the best season, like Murder House. Um, so I watched the first episode, which is one of the scariest episodes. And I just could not sleep. Like I was anxious through the remainder of the night. And I was like, bitch, you know better after seven and you can't do this. You, it's like eating, like you can't do it anymore <laughs> after seven o'clock at night. Uh, so yeah, I didn't sleep well, but I'm all jacked up on coffee and so excited. I love when we record in the day. I know it's so nice. It's like a good way to start the day. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't watch uh, So I don't really watch the American Horror Story series, but, but even though I've thought like some of the series that they've done looks very like up my alley and very interesting, mm-hmm. but for that very same reason. And like, I like to present as very tough, but like not to be a little ball sack about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also can't watch stuff like that late at night. Cause I have, I get nightmares very easily. So, mm-hmm. you oh, know, yeah. I, I dreamt I was being followed. Right, exactly. So yeah, uh, my girlfriend and I started watching Ratchet, which is, yo, it's so good. That's we only watched- That's from what? one of the American Horror Story series. Right, exactly. So I, because I loved One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and so mm-hmm. I was like, and Sarah Paulson oh, sorry, playing Nerf. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, but Sarah Paulson, uh, but it's from the same creator, isn't it? The same guy, Ryan, uh, Ryan Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, yeah, so her playing Nurse Ratchet could not have been more perfect casting. But my girlfriend, I watched like one episode, and then immediately I was we're, we're we just have to be in a very specific mood to watch that because it's very graphic and very dark, and very similar to that American Horror Story vein. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely um, interesting. <laughs> we'll have to um, tell one of our many Halloween stories as it gets closer to Halloween on the podcast, just because. Uh-huh. We have so many good ones, but um, we'll we'll do that for we have some thoughts or maybe just the segment of one of our podcasts. <laughs> we, but this, go ahead. yeah, no, we should. I was gonna say because Halloween in New York is magnificent and very very different than suburban Halloween. So, oh, it's so so true. Yeah, dude, let's definitely do that. Then I didn't even think about like the New York aspect, but true, Halloween is its own little culture in New York. City. Oh yeah, That's so fucking true. Um, I won't go into any more details now because now I I'm like seeing this episode unfold in front of me. So yes, yes, we'll we'll definitely have to. But this one for we have uh let's jump into we have some thoughts. Um, where do we want to start? Oh, where do you want to start? Well, do you want to start with your, I liked your humans of New York thing, or do you want me to go first? Oh, with, no, yeah. let's, let's do the honey. So yeah. for those who do not know, there is this, it's, it's on Instagram. He's also on Facebook. Um, Been around creator, for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's called humans of New York, which is essentially like a humanitarian or like human pieces that are often posted every day or, you know, in the beginning it was every day 
couple times a day of just people that um, this man, I think his name is Brandon. I can't remember his last name uh, would run into people in New York city through people watching and just like get little glimpses of their stories. And, you know, obviously the concept of it all is that we all have our own story to tell and we're all the humans of New York. Um, and it tries to capture the essence of like, New York is this giant place with so many individual stories, right? But the, you know, this, the, the context is if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And you have people who are making it in their own way, right? It's not all the same definition, but they're making it in their own way. And a few, I think it was a few months ago, uh, he posted a story about this woman named Stephanie. And so this is the series we're going to talk about that I wanted to highlight. So for those who do not know, Follow Humans of New York, it's called Honey is like the H-O-N-Y is uh, like the, what is it? The acronym? Yeah. That's the word, yes, acronym. Correct. Uh, that is correct. Uh, our English teacher, if he could only see us now. Um, uh, the, that's the acronym for it, but definitely go follow it, especially the series. So it was 32 posts, which actually wound up being 33. I won't spoil it for you all, but it's on this woman named St- uh, Stephanie and her stage name actually was, I think it's like Tankery, Tanqueray. Can't really like necessarily. Yeah. It's like the name of a drink. So she basically just tells a story of how she had to find a way to make it in New York City, you know, during, I'm talking like during like the 50s and 60s, like we're talking during like the Supremes, think of like that era of music. Uh, At this point, she tells a story of like old New York, right? The thing that I feel like gets romanticized a lot about New York, Uh, the mobsters, you know, how at one point the Teamsters ran the city and, you know, there were adult clubs only in Times Square and that was the bars and restaurants that you went to. There was always something to do a different night of the week and everybody knew each other in those clubs. You were all connected and everybody looked out for one another. Um, She's a black woman. So she also tells a story about how like, you know, she faced a lot of discrimination for trying to make a name for herself, but ultimately the best way for her to make it was through, you know, through some, through a lot of like sex work, but not really sex work because that's what she was proposed with, but it was really like burlesque was like what, which we know like has its own little culture. Yeah. Like in New York city, like the burlesque shows, the go-go dancers, that's its own culture of, yeah, of old New York. And she tells the story about how she never compromised herself though. Like, you know, she was proposed many different times with many different you know, propositions and she can make so much money to do this and so much money to do that. She has, you know, like a really tumultuous story with her mother and how she grew up outside New York. It's just, it's arguably the most inspiring thing. Again, I don't want to ruin it for people, but I just want to say that what I think I really loved most about this piece, obviously, because it sheds a light on these cultures in New York that are romanticized and are really important to like what made New York what it is, um, or a piece of New York that I, like, again, I often feel like gets romanticized. Um, she specifically talks about dating an Italian man and how at the time it was okay because, you know, Italians were not necessarily seen as white and, you know, they, that was like blacks and Italians were allowed to kind of date. Although we could also get into a whole other part about how oh, there's a lot of, yeah, a yeah. lot, a lot of racism even between the two cultures because of assimilation and, and all those things. But we could talk about that in, a, in another episode, but she fell in love with an Italian man who was linked He was a teamster. He was also kind of like a thief. He was a hustler. He was, he was all these things, but he always dressed so, so well. And I just loved her story because it, it shows that again, she made it in New York the way that she had to make it. And it's, she looks back on it and how it all came to an end. And she looks back on it now and she, it's just so her resilience is so brilliant and New York, like it, you know, pushed her down, it knocked her down, but she kept getting back up and it only build her up, built her up each time getting stronger. And it is just one of the most inspiring things. Like when I tell you, I sat on the edge of my seat, like turned on the notifications to receive the next post about this story. So please go listen, uh, or I'm sorry, please go listen, please go read it. Um, it is so fucking good. And to me, it's just one of the greatest things I've seen this whole week that I was like, Cole and I have to talk about this because this is like the spirit of New York City. Like who she is, is the spirit of it all. It's funny you you say about the romanticizing of it because New York in the 60s and 70s was very much like bankrupt and uh, well, at least in the 70s, uh, New Mm -hmm. York went bankrupt and there was really high crime in the city. It was like actually very dangerous. Um, And yet even I find myself when I read stories like this or watch shows or I romanticize like, damn, I wish I could have been at like CBGB 
like seeing the Ramones for the first time, or I wish I could have been like, you know, in not, yeah, honestly, like in Times Square, seeing what that was like. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the people that survived all of that, that um, saw New York during that time, you know, a time when like most of us would probably be like, holy shit, this is New York, you know, like the Bronx was burning and all that other shit too. Like, it's just interesting how even they having lived through all of that will still like romanticize it and I wonder like it makes me think like can we not help but romanticize New York no matter what has happened to us there like it's just interesting because like I don't know if any other cities like that and maybe people can let me know if they romanticize like I don't know wherever they're from in that way I guess to everyone it's maybe I I don't know I don't want to like project on other people's experiences but I've never heard anyone say like I never like even the people I know out here in LA that moved and like you know even when they talk about New York it's just kind of like oh yeah like even if they had like a terrible time like or it wasn't the greatest time in their life they still always seem to have something good to say about it like I never run into anybody that's like yeah I lived in New York for 10 years it was fucking terrible there was like you know like there yeah it's very difficult I feel like to find some moment that wasn't like special to you in some way so it's even more interesting to hear this woman say all this having lived through what she did which I'm sure was you know based on the story very difficult Mm -hmm. um so I I just love that and it just kind of adds that element to the city that just makes it even more unique I think it's because there is no place like it. So even if there is things you hate about it, it's so you can't compare it to anything else, which right. by itself is, is kind of like the thing we have to romanticize, right? Like I can't compare it to anything else. So I can't, I can't make like one more than the other. You kind of just have to like, like it or appreciate it for what it is. Right. Um, especially again, like you you went back to like this idea of like how hard it must like be. Like I remember one part of her story where she says that, you know, go-go dancers, they didn't hire black go-go dancers. Mm-hmm. They didn't hire, like, it, it was racist as fuck. Like, blacks were not allowed in a lot of those spaces. And so the only way she made her way into a lot of those spaces is a lot of her white friends who advocated for her, right? So her friend told her, like, call on the phone. She was also a dancer. Like, that's what her background was. Right. She was like, call on the phone. They can't tell you're black on the phone. And once she sold him on the phone, and then she sold him with her skill set because she was such a talented dancer. Yeah he had to say yes. So it's like, that's what I mean by her resiliency. And what I love is that you mentioned like, you know, New York, especially in the seventies and eighties was like such a violent place. Do you know, that's actually where the the slogan, I love New York came from. Like I heart New York, the quintessential logo. Yes. Yeah. I believe I do. I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it in a while. I think that guy just passed away. Not that long ago. The guy who created the logo. Yeah. I feel like I, I I could be wrong and I will make a correction if I am, but, uh, I just because I saw that people a couple weeks ago were posting that logo and I, I believe the Daily News, I think it was the Daily mm. News, ran a page ad that says I heart New York more than ever. Yes, and, yes. Oh, yeah, I, think, I think I did see this. That's probably yeah, why. Yeah, so I believe that was because that person passed away, um, which is crazy. But yeah, it, yeah. It was essentially it was a it was a PR campaign to get people to come to New York because people were so scared to be here. Crazy. That it's like, well, what's the most like like, I love New York. It's the tender side of like, look, the people who are here love it here. You will too, because there's something for everybody, even if you have a family, right? Like it's it's some of the most, yeah, I, I always love that little fun fact about the, yeah. the I Heart New York logo. But yeah, her, her resiliency, I just, oh gosh, like truly people, go read it. It'll keep you on your edge of your seat. I want the story. I want like the movie. I want the book. I want more of it. Because it's so, I don't know, it's just so beautiful to me. So, so on top of that, I, I just looked this up because I remember something else. Uh, you mentioned the I Heart New York from that mm-hmm. era. Also, I will say I like the spinoff of that. Later on, after New York got all cleaned up and gentrified, they started making shirts that said, go heart your own city, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I do love. But there's also this ad, and I'm going to show it to you on Zoom right now if it'll let me do it. Um, the the listeners will have to look it up. But there was an ad uh, that I think they ran in the 70s. It said, Welcome to Fear City. And it says, A Survival Guide for Visitors to the City of New York. Um, oh, my God. It's and just I, a fucking, looks like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. And it's really great. And it's one of my favorite uh, ads that I see every now and then. 
Um, I'll, I'll do more research on this as well. Maybe I'll talk about it next time. But that's what they called New York in the 70s, which was Fear City. Um, I just, I really love that New York was like, yay, you all came to visit us. It's like typical New Yorkers. Now you're here, get the fuck out. Like I only liked you for 30 seconds and now I want nothing else to do with you. I know, I know. It's get crazy. off my stoop. Get off my stoop. <laughs> Do you remember what that was from? Uh, well, I mean, aside from me, like, co-opting it, but that was from The Sopranos, the last season, where Tony goes to visit Phil Leotardo in his house, and he doesn't come out, and he calls from the window. He's like, because Phil lived in Brooklyn. He was the Brooklyn territory yeah. guy. And yeah. he was like, Tony, get off my stoop from, like... <laughs> We're gonna do we're gonna do a whole little episode on our love. Well, I mean, we could probably do a few episodes, but on The Sopranos because oh my god, I feel like we've we've referenced it so many times, even though it's fucking episode ten. Yeah, um, we've referenced it so many times. Like we have to do a whole little segment. I'm I'm totally down for that because we watched that show probably when we were too young to be watching it. But uh, but uh, I will say it's more Jersey than New York, but it kind of all goes in the same pot. Um, yeah, like I think more of the culture yeah, of it is what yeah, I'm talking for sure. about. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and of course, we'll put our too broad spin on it, which is like the things we didn't like about it or like what we would never take away or what this has taught us what not to do um, because we always look at the bigger picture of things, right? Like it can never just be what the fuck it is. We always have to analyze, or at least I, I won't speak for you. I have to no. analyze it through the educator lens or the feminist I mean, lens or the whatever yeah. There was a great book I almost bought this past weekend uh, called The Psychology of the Sopranos. And I think the only reason I didn't buy it was because it was written still while the series was airing. And I'm kind of looking more for something post-series psychological analysis. You could do this forever and ever. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So if anybody knows a book like that out there, let me know because I... What, are, what a great little segment. The books I almost read. The books I almost <laughs> read. I've read so many. I'm at 31 for the year. It's crazy. That's awesome, dude. I have not read nearly as much. Actually, that's not true. I um, I'm part of a, a group, like my my friends and I, uh, from where I live. We we've been trying to do like these little like mini like personal commitments to like it's kind of like a book club, but it's more like with personal development. So uh, we're doing the white supremacy and me workbook as a group. Oh, yeah. Um. So I we, we're meeting as a group coming up. So I actually have to. That's what I'm reading currently. Um. So not reading for fun. Reading for personal mm-hmm. development which I guess could be fun. I think so. Make a better you. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of white supremacy, um, my <laughs> other, you like that segue? It's, it's going to be bad. Um, <laughs> but the other uh, issue that I wanted to talk about for we have some thoughts mm-hmm. is uh, something my sister brought up to me. So my sister and her boyfriend live in Brooklyn. And uh, they recently got their ballots, uh, their mail-in ballots for the upcoming election. And uh, as we know, even before they they received these, there was stories floating around that they were having problems with the ballots in Brooklyn. Um, So she uh, hit me up and she was like, you want to hear something crazy is so they each got their own ballot delivered to their apartment. Her ballot had the correct return address on it. His ballot did not. And now here's the thing. If you don't notice that, that's a big problem because if you fill out the the mail-in voter form Mm -hmm. and send it off in that envelope, right, to be counted, if it has the wrong return address on it and that information doesn't match the information of the person in the ballot, they completely void it. Right. And so you're wondering if you're out there thinking, well, they both came to the same house. How does one have the correct return address and how does one not? Well, first of all, let me preface this with my sister has a very Italian white sounding name and her boyfriend, let's start with, is of Puerto Rican descent. So there's Mm -hmm. that. Second, my sister and I, fun fact, in New York were originally registered as Republicans because yeah. we didn't know any better. And when we were 18, we just asked our parents what they registered as. And so we just yep. registered as Republican. Did we ever vote Republican? Personally, I have not. But, uh, right. you know, we were still registered as that. And we just never, like, changed it. Uh, now mm-hmm. in California, since I moved, I re-registered as a, as a Democrat. This is all information that's honestly none of your business. I don't know why I'm saying it. But anyway. <laughs> no, but it's, it's context and it's okay. It's, and if anybody has an issue with it, please go fuck right. yourself. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, so my sister's still registered as a Republican in New York. Her boyfriend is registered as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So her ballot came in perfect condition and his had the wrong return address on it. That is sketchy as fuck. And yeah. I'm sorry because, you know, with all the shit that's starting to come up, what's his fuck is going to try and say that, like, mm-hmm. the Democrats fucked this whole thing up. Meanwhile, Republican ballots seem to go- be going out just fine and Democratic ballots seem to be going out a little fucked up. It's just a little sketchy, a little sus. And I just wanted to point that out. But so that's a good point because my grandmother, I actually don't know what my grandmother is registered as, but so she in Brooklyn also received her ballot recently because she is older, right? She's 96, mm-hmm. I yeah. think. Uh, she 97? No, she's 96. I actually don't know. I think she might actually be 97. Anyway, she received her ballot recently with somebody else's name. So she received the envelope and somebody else's name on the ballot inside. Correct. Oh, so, interesting. And, and so I know my grandmother, for the most part, is pretty liberal slash Democrat in her views. Um, so I wonder if she's registered as a Democrat. I'm not sure. But that happened. Also, I'm not registered in the state of New York anymore to vote whatsoever. But my request for a mail-in ballot got sent to my parents' house in Brooklyn. Interesting. So I'm like, I and here's, let's also like preface this for our listeners. I... I believe voter fraud for the most part, like it is statistically proven that it's very, very rare, right? We know that like, it like it really necessarily doesn't happen. Does the mail fuck up? Yes, absolutely. Ask people who never receive RSVPs or fucking Christmas cards all the time. Mail, yes, it does fuck up, but that's not the same thing as voter fraud per se. Correct. Now, so I'm not, I'm not saying this and prefacing this with being like, man, there's voter fraud all over the place. Like that's not necessarily what I'm saying. I am saying though that similar to your sentiment is that this is, there's no such thing as coincidences necessarily. And this does feel mighty suspicious Yeah. that, but I mean, I think what's also interesting is that New York is a democratic place. It's a blue state for the most part. So correct. And do you know why, do you know why it's a blue state though? Because if you look at the map and this was just from the last uh, election, it's mostly like New York city, the tri-state area. Uh, I would say even Manhattan specifically that makes it as blue as it is. I don't know. I'm not going to go into the specifics. I'm not that well versed on it. Um, But also what I find interesting is, is like voter fraud genuinely seems like a lot of effort. Like (laughs) it, it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's like easy to do. And like, at least speaking from a New Yorker standpoint, I'm like, that seems like just like way too much wasting time. (laughs) Like New Yorkers are not going to sit around trying to concoct voter fraud. And like, it's just so, it's just not the type of thing that's like, it just involves too much planning. And like, quite honestly, (laughs) well, we don't do that. But even if you want to argue for the rest of the country, like, I don't think anyone care, like has like, like the way they're making it sound is like they have this entire scheme to concoct voter fraud to like grapple and hold on the election. It's just like, there's no way anyone's putting that much effort into this. No. Like you're giving everybody in this country, like way too much way credit. Too much credit. Fact. <laughs> like, I also think like, I, 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 this is the way I kind of frame it. People please necessarily don't get too stuck on the whole like Democrat versus Republican thing. It's like, I think the bigger issue is, is that we don't trust our voting systems anymore. Cause right. I, I also, like, I, I kind of said this to my mom. I was like, hang on lady. Like if you think that they're okay with, you know, rigging or, or kind of fucking up your vote via mail-in, what the fuck makes you think that they're above doing it in person too? Right. right? Like, oh, my, the electronic thing broke, or now there's only one that works here and all of you have to wait eight hours. Oh, your paper didn't go through. This didn't get registered. Dude didn't, didn't, like, again, it's really that we have a mistrust in how all of this is happening, period. Right. Um, that should concern us all. And to me that like, I don't really care like where you fall in that party line. Like if there's, there is a mistrust for sure on both sides. But again, please think critically people, if they're willing to fuck up your mail-in vote, what the fuck makes you think they're above doing like just being like, oh, we're just going to like kind of just nix all one million votes in New York yeah, City. Yeah, who, who really fucking knows? Uh, right, yeah, I don't. Glitch. Yeah, that like, being, you know. It's, it's, it's an issue, I think, like, again, where it's an issue. It's definitely sus. Like a lot of this is sus. I, I don't, I think it all makes me a lot more nervous because of like what is on the line. But 
again, I just, I hope our listeners are, are critically thinking about that as well. Like we're critically thinking or seeing how we're thinking as like a, like we hope you educate yourselves a little bit more. Although I hate that because that's just like the most like, like Karen-esque thing to say, like read a book. Um, no, but y'all need y'all need to fucking read a book. <laughs> like also, seriously, read a fucking book. Uh, yes, read a fucking book. Like, uh, please stop trusting what is just told to you. Uh, please think more critically, like the way that we're framing it, because <laughs> I am very concerned. Cola and I are scared. Um, <laughs> so please, please educate. I like yourself. it. I I think it's funny when people call me a coastal elite, which I will like very proudly wear that because that's the only thing I get to be elite in. Like I don't have money. Like I don't. <laughs> so like I think it's so funny when like dudes typically get their dick in a knot over that. Like because you coastal. What does that even mean? Uh, basically saying that you know people in New York and California think they're better and smarter than everyone. And I'm like, I oh. I don't I don't necessarily think that. Uh, but you know, read a book. Maybe uh, don't 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 feed into that if you really have a problem with it. I don't know. Listen, I'm not. I'm I'm starting to shoot myself in the foot here, so I'm gonna lean off of this discussion. All um, I'm gonna say is. If I'm not smarter than you, why do I know more than you? That's what I typically say to people. If you're not smarter, yeah. If I'm not smarter than you, why do I know more than you? Uh, like it's just like what I typically say to people. Like, and and that's and that. Well, my mother will be the first one to tell you all that I am so fucking arrogant in my intelligence, and I'm not. I I. <laughs> I'm you're, confident. you're making a very this case for yourself is like I know, not. I'm not I know I'm not but more, so I'm not talking about in general like I don't think I'm smarter than anybody else like there are fucking engineers out there like I can't do what you do I recognize that I'm, I'm talking more in the scope of like what I know and somebody else doesn't know when they turn around and say you think you're smarter than me mm. in that conversation if I'm not smarter than you how do I know more than you about this? Like, it's just the proof is in the pudding in that conversation. Here's the thing. There's different levels of like, you know, intelligence can't just be measured across the board, which is why tests are stupid. But like, also, I, I realize I should correct myself because, you know, sometimes people living elsewhere, like don't have access to like good resources. Absolutely. So I just want to, I, I should acknowledge that as well. Like there, it's not just, I mean, it's very easy to say, read a book or educate yourself but like some I was reading something the other day that was like did you know like Google if you Google coronavirus right Mm -hmm. in in New York or California it'll tell you maybe like stats and stuff but if you Google that same thing in like a maybe a redder state uh Mm -hmm. you'll the first thing that Google will autofill for you is like is a hoax which is very bad and very interesting Um, so yeah. there is a lot of like, it's not e- very easy. So I just want to acknowledge that before I, yeah. you know, again, yeah, continue to shoot myself in the foot. I mean, I'm right there with you, sister. Uh, I think you're hundred percent correct. Uh, there's actually a whole study on like these skewed views and your Google sh- search and your cookies and your cache, right? Like that's a cash. How do you, how do you oh, say it's that? called cash, but I love cache. It makes it sound so fancy. <laughs> Like I, I think, like I think now when I talk to my clients at work, I'm gonna be like, "Did you clear your cachet?" <laughs> um, but I I completely agree in that regard. Like, it, there's a lot of data to prove that it, it is skewed, which is why I tell people, you know, you have to think critically because you can't always trust the first the first line of defense. Um, and I I think you know I'm gonna share this with our listeners too that I have a theory that I always say that if I was going to go back for my dissertation, don't steal my idea. Uh, <laughs> if I ever go back for my dissertation, I would, I would want to do um, my dissertation on like the actual, you know, how we measure intelligence versus smarts. And so I always, my theory is that there's three components of smarts that go into your definition of intelligence. And so the first one is, you know, your book smart, right? So how can you read something off a page, comprehension of what you've read, reading comprehension? Can you articulate it back to me? Can you understand it? Can you memorize it, right? Like how well you do in, in school, right? The academia, the text, right? And then you have emotional, like emotional smarts, your emotional intelligence. How empathetic are you to other people? You know, how, how do you show compassion? How do you understand? Or, how, you know, how do you even 
actively listen or support emotionally people in your life. That takes a measure of smarts as well. And then the next one, the third one I say is really like what our parents would call street smarts, right? How, how, what is your ability of common like knowledge or common sense look like, right? Like it's great that you can fucking read a book back to me and be nice to other people. But if you like, can't help me when I'm in crisis of like what to do or how to solve this, you're kind of fucking useless to me. So like, yes, you're smart, but I wouldn't necessarily say like you're incredibly intelligent. So when I look at all of those three factors, I look at what someone who has a good amount of each and I say, yes, you are intelligent. I'm going to call that the Anna trifecta. Oh my God. Yes. That's what I'm going to name my dissertation. Uh, don't steal my idea. Um, Anna, I don't think you could just shout don't steal my idea over the airwaves. You better get on this as like a copyright, like right after I, we record. I know. But doesn't that like that like to me is like what makes sense. And I recognize there are people, people are smart in their own ways. I don't think it's fair to like call someone dumb if they only have street smarts or right. right? Like they, they have, they're also not necessarily unintelligent, right? Because if you have a, a high level of empathy for someone, your emotional intelligence is so fucking high. And, and hey, if you could help me, you know, change my tire on the side of the road when I'm in crisis and it's raining, then I do think you're a really smart person. You contribute. You are necessary in this world. I just hate that we only look at people who are like reading a book as like, ah, oh, yes, you are the definition of intelligence. It's like what you just said. Some people don't have access to that shit. It doesn't make them dumb. Right. No, I agree. Also, like, as you're going through this whole thing, it just reminded me of that scene from The Godfather where Fredo is yelling at Michael. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like, I'm smart. I'm not yeah, dumb, yeah. like everybody says. Yep, uh, yep. And anyway, R.I.P. Fredo. If you haven't seen The Godfather, like, that's on you. Um, We're going to do that. We call that our holy trinity, the three godfathers. (laughs) Well, the third one is questionable, but yeah. Uh, Okay, so I just want to end this segment on like a lighter note since we just did all that heavy shit. Um, (laughs) I was, uh, you know, I was reading, uh, I'm not, I was telling you before the show, I'm not like super big on like uh, superhero stuff or like, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But I do have like, like, I haven't seen like all like the Infinity War. I don't even know what the fuck those movies are. But like, I have very specific superhero movies and Mm -hmm. like comics that I enjoy. And one of them being Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. And um, this past, I think it was in February came out, who even fucking knows. But when Birds of Prey came out, um, Mm -hmm. if y'all haven't seen it, you're probably a dude. But, um, or, you know, it's just a fun, like, good time uh, of a movie. But the point is, what I wanted to bring out was that there's a scene where uh, Harley's in the bodega and she's uh, watching her uh, bodega guy make her bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, (laughs) And it is, like, the most stylized, like, romantic scene in that entire movie. Like, there's no, like, real main, like, romantic storyline uh, mm-hmm. except for this moment with her and her breakfast sandwich. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it. You could probably find the scene online, but like, it's just like focusing on like her lovey dovey eyes, looking at this breakfast sandwich being made. It's like close up shots of the eggs being cracked on the grill mm-hmm. and like bacon sizzling and like the wind in her hair. As she's like watching this sandwich being presented. And I just wanted to bring that out because Gotham is often, um, you know, mirrored to New York city in yep. like the DC universe, but also because uh, that's exactly how New Yorkers feel about their breakfast sandwich. Or maybe it's just how I feel about my breakfast sandwich. And I'm really glad that representation was finally in on the big screen. <laughs> how come you're not like into superhero things? I'm just curious. Uh, you know, I just like, I don't know. I actually never thought about that. I, you know what I do like? I like female antiheroes because mm. I feel like I don't get enough of that. And Harley, oh, like, Quinn, uh, Harley Quinn is a big anti-hero in my book. And uh, I know she's technically a villain, but, uh, you know. And what was the one on Netflix? Jessica. Jessica. Yes. I was like, okay. so like an, like, like an example yeah. like that. Yeah. Because okay. I like, um, you know why I like those two characters? And they're both very, well, they're not super different, I guess. They're similarities and differences. I will say that one is in the Marvel universe and one's in DC before all the fucking nerds come banging on my door with a hammer. Um, but, uh, I like, yes. yeah, I like seeing <laughs> those nerds movies. and their hammers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nerds and their hammers. That's like a thing, right? 
Um, but I, I think I like those two specifically. Uh, I like superhero uh, comics and movies that where like the main character doesn't have like a specific power like they don't sh- well I mean like okay Jessica Jones is like super strong but like she doesn't wear like a, a like a costume and like Harley Quinn does have the costume element I will say it's better of recent modernization uh, but I like that her only weapon is a fucking baseball bat which is very much my weapon of choice um, that's so silly into your identity you know how I know you're from New York? I know what your weapon of choice is. It's a bat because it's a great weapon of choice to protect yourself. Just to be clear, I'm not going out bashing anybody with a bat. I'm just saying it's a very convenient weapon of choice if you need to defend yourself. Um, maybe fair. from maybe from the nerds with their hammers. Um, but- <laughs> so you like you basically like your superheroes to be like humanized a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Like I like deeply flawed women because I feel like we don't get a lot of that and when we do uh obviously all the critics are like this character's not likable this show sucks or this movie sucks and i'm like Mm -hmm. it's just so and i just think at this point like it's there's no point in arguing that i just think it's funny because like we watch unlikable men all the time and we give them awards for being (laughs) anti-heroes like people fucking cream their jeans over like walter white and it's just like yeah like i you know breaking bad yeah, sorry. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Um, and same, really thing, care. same thing with Tony Soprano. Like, you know, like people like can't get enough of it. But the second you put a woman in that same position with those same like flawed yeah. characteristics, everyone's mm-hmm. like, it's okay. You know, it's gotcha. an, it becomes a niche thing, which is so insane to me. Uh, yeah. So I love anything like that uh, specifically. I liked Deadpool a lot too, because that guy was also kind of a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> that's so that's so fucking true i didn't even think about that uh this kind of this kind of moves perfectly into what we're gonna talk about today like how you know strong women and and what we've i think like you and i are are really passionate about uh in terms of how we've come to be the people we are um just a little note i did forget to tell you this um i meant to talk to you this a couple of days ago my uh i was like away with my parents uh over the weekend and our cousin and his like wife had come to visit us and uh my dad made a comment about johnny like like parking by a pump or like getting a ticket by a pump and she was like what the fuck are you talking about like what the hell is a johnny pump and so she's not from brooklyn uh she's actually from staten island and didn't know what we were talking about so it is a very like again brooklyn term but i know the the three of us well my mother and my father and i looked at her and my cousin was like do you want to tell her and so I was like, well, ma'am, if you listen to one of the episodes of Two Broads from Brooklyn, we could actually help decipher this language for you. Um, I, I well actually her. But yeah, uh, I meant to tell you that earlier. I'm sorry I didn't text that no, to you. I'm very glad we, we got to share it on the show now, though. Yeah. Uh, see, we, we come in handy. We're, we are educational. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think all the stuff you were saying about the DC and Marvel comics, you know, the antiheroes and how if women were to play these characters... Um, I, I think I asked you this question before to kind of help let's spark the conversation of is like, Cola, why do you like, why do you think you are like, how'd you become a strong woman? Or do you think of yourself as a strong woman? I definitely do. I definitely think it took a long time to get there. Um, yeah. I mean, I always kind of thought of myself that way. Like I would present, I'm very, I was very much a fan of fake it till you make it. And I feel like yep. I did that a lot of my life also because I was in the closet for a lot of it, but um, mm-hmm. you know that true. I know people like it sounds like cliche, but I truly believe that works because then eventually you just kind of stop faking it and you just realize that like, oh, this is like I'm comfortable now. Um, yep. and I'm not faking this like confidence anymore. But fake confidence has got me plenty of places. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but also, I would say that uh, you know I had a really good mother figure at home and even a father figure my dad wouldn't say he's a feminist but he doesn't realize that he actually is a feminist like yeah when we were growing up like he would always get me like I remember one year I wanted speaking now we're on the superhero thing so I guess they're just going to keep going because it's just reminded Mm me um I asked for like superhero toys uh for my birthday like uh you know and instead of getting me like Batman and Superman and whatever he got me only female heroes and villains Mm -hmm. and you know it was just kind of that thing even when I was growing up I played basketball a lot and like uh you know he he never took us to see like the Knicks you know but he would always take us to see like the WNBA 
Um, right. And because in, I think in his mind, he was like, well, there's, he was like, if you're aspiring to be this thing, like I want you to have like female role models to look up to. So he's like, right. why would I take you to see the men when we could take you to see the women, you know, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think he would call himself a feminist. I don't know if my mom would either, but like I had like, they were both very good in, um, you know, modeling, uh, you know, and at the same time, they were also very traditional, I would say. Too. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's a combination of them like being like, you know, they never, t- they were like, you make sure you're, you're smart and like, you're, you got what mm-hmm. you need and like, you know, mm-hmm. go out there and don't let anyone take advantage of you. Um, but at the same time, we l- grew up in a very traditional environment. So I think it was yeah. a combination of that because as I got older and I started to see like the traditionalism, even though like I had all of these like good uh, ideas put in my head, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the other half of that, I would say, is me trying to break away from that. And that also formed kind of part of right. that identity for me as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What is that? Do you find that was similar? Yeah, I think so. I think what's really, it's funny you brought this up and like this idea of like, you know, our parents, especially like our dads raised us to not, you know, you can do whatever a boy can do. Like you can do this. Right. And raised us with such strong feminist mindsets, but then also would turn around and because it was those traditional households or like would turn around and be like, well, I'm not a feminist. Like that's, it's, yeah. it's almost like, I, I say it's like this cognitive dissonance, uh, which essentially is just like what you say your values are and what your actions are, are two different things. 100%. There's, a, there's a disconnect. And so I do look like, I often look at the women in our family and I think this is just very, like, this is very Italian, right? Like this, these gender norms, we've talked about this a little bit before, but like these gender stereotypes that, you know, women have to, be nurturing. Women have to take care of, you know, the men in their home and the children and the cleaning and the cooking, right? Like women have to do all of these things. But then, you know, I look at, at how, like, especially like, so I can, I'll speak for my dad. And I think this is kind of like what you're talking about with your dad, like how, if I was doing something like my dad, when it comes to like putting furniture together, he knows like how good I am at it. And I like, love putting things together and, and helping him. Like he's like a real handy, like type guy. Um, like I always say, like you missed your calling as an electrician, like, cause my dad can look at wires and just tell you what's wrong with the house, like without even touching anything. Like he just knows. Um, and he kind of always raised me to be the same way. Cause he's like, you should never have to depend on nobody for that. Like right. you're my kid, you'll do it. Cause you can like the hell with women only like, but then it's also like, clean up after your brother at the dinner table. And it's like these two mm-hmm. things, yeah. you know what I mean? It's always mesh. So I think kind of like what you were saying, in spite of that is what helped raise me to be like this, you know, I, I'm going to reject this other thing because what you've taught me is more, more important. So I'm, I'm going to kind of reject this part that I, that doesn't align with these fundamental things that, that kind of helped make us so strong. And you mentioned our, like our moms, right? Arguably at the backbones of, at least for my yeah. family, like the yeah. backbone of everything, even though like, especially in that Italian traditional sense, you know, the men had to think they were the providers. The men had to think they were the head of the households. When you look at the roles that our moms played, like they were really the ones that kept this ship fucking running. Like, yeah. Like my, my sister says all the time, dad, I love you so, so much. But my sister says it all the time. Thank God we had mommy. Cause Lord knows where we would be if daddy was like, <laughs> day in and day out. Like we would have been like, our clothes would have been on backwards. And cause he would have been like half asleep in front of the TV while all of us were chasing each other with knives. Like he wouldn't have fucking known yeah. the difference. Like, like I, I love you, but dad, that is just the fact of the truth. Like that, I'm sorry. That's just the fact of the matter. And like, I, I always think it's so interesting how, like, but they don't, they're not allowed to be feminists, I think, in my mind. Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think, like I said, I don't think my mom or my dad would say that they were feminists, but they are. Like, they don't realize yeah. it. I, if they're listening to this, sorry, but you are. Uh, you yeah. raised your daughters to be independent. So that, to mm-hmm. me, says that you're, you have feminist ideals. Like, you know, right. again, like, they never, like, I remember once, like, uh, when I was like a kid, again, I was playing basketball a lot growing up. They didn't have a girls team and like, they mm-hmm. made me play on the boys team for a while. And like, mm-hmm. my dad never had an issue with that. My dad always like 
you know, uh, helped me like excel in any, any sport that I wanted. And my mom would like make sure like, oh, my dad would always say like, you're smart, like your mother. And like, mm. I, which doesn't give him enough credit because he's yeah. very smart as well. But like, I mean, he was the only one of his like three brothers that like uh, two, bro- two other brothers, I should say that, um, you know, got a college degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it was just very interesting, um, you know, thinking Isn't- back. Like my mom, but my mom was a stay at home mom and she like made, she had to be like on like my sister and I to make sure like, yeah, we weren't like strangling each other. And, you know, she like the traditional. That is a full time job. And and the amount of, it's actually proven like the amount of money stay at home moms, like save the family is by itself its own type of salary. And it is a full time job, right? You can't turn that off. You can't leave the office for that. Um, But I also think it's funny you mentioned this, like you know, your dad had to help you excel. It's almost like our dads and our parents had to prepare us as women for the world, knowing that we were kind of starting at a disadvantage, right? They well, knew what we were up against, right? but then and also try to prepare us for that, which I appreciate, right? I love that. They had to say like, you know what? We kind of know that as a woman, you're going to be met with X, Y, and Z. So we're going to help prepare you for that. But then also at the same time, turn around and enable some of those expectations. Yes. Well, it's interesting because they can only teach from what they know. So like, not even though I would say most of it in my mind was like feminist ideals, they would still say things like, well, you don't dress like that and go out at night because they don't know, you know, like that's the only way they know to like protect, you know, I think even though our dads were like preparing us for that world, I think even now, like my dad will talk to me, like he's a, privileged man because he mm-hmm. is a white man and like he's yeah. you know straight white man whatever and like he doesn't I don't think sometimes fully grasp the privilege but he also doesn't he I think thinks my life can be just like his which is beautiful because like he doesn't see any roadblocks for me because yeah. he doesn't think yeah. there would be like being a woman being gay like he just yeah. you know was like whenever you know we would talk about like future plans and my mom too like just like well if you just do this and it's just like you don't understand. There's like some people that don't see, like you see me like this is my kid and like she's great. And like, what does this other stuff matter? And like, of course you see me that way because I'm your daughter. But like, right. you know, they, it's almost like, you know, it's not that easy for me sometimes um, to get to where I need to be. Um, and that being said, I'm still like a white woman. So like, it's definitely yeah. easier uh, yeah. in, in some other respects. But you know, I am no longer like feminine presenting. So that's like another thing that I've thrown on top. But at the same yeah. time, it's like, what am I going to do? I'm just like, I'm not living my life inauthentically anymore, you know, but, yeah. um, but I will that. say there is, and tell me if you feel this way, there's some stuff that like, I like genuinely miss about like that traditional upbringing. Like I kind of like was finding myself. And again, this could be coupled with my recent bouts of homesickness, but Mm-hmm. Um, like Sunday dinners, like I miss like waking up and like the house smells like meatballs and like, yeah. uh, you know, like meat sauce. Like that was like the traditional like Sunday afternoon dinner. And like, uh, yeah. you know, it was just nice to like, I find myself like watching shows sometimes on Netflix that are from Italy because I miss mm-hmm. the sound of Italian conversation. Does that yeah. ever strike you? Because yeah. like, I genuinely miss that. And it makes me feel like closer to home even though yeah. you know, like because in our neighborhood a lot of the you know people even that we grew up around were you know they spoke Italian still so I think that's yes and I think that's what is so I think that's okay like because that to me is like we're missing that's the family values right mm-hmm. like yeah we're not we're not missing the the expectations put on us right like oh I really love really miss when my, my dad would make a comment about what I was wearing because, you know, <laughs> underlying, like, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I miss that, but do I miss like waking up and, oh, like bagels waiting downstairs, Sunday church, like, like that, just like family tradition, that togetherness, like, absolutely. I think those are the things that we take away. Like, that's what I've had to spend so much time dissecting to come to the terms with my identity. Cause I used to think that like, feminism was bad, right? Like feminism was this gross, yeah. nasty men, men, like women hate men, blah, blah, blah. Like I was, but I, I didn't realize that I myself was falling into this like uneducated view until I read a book. Um, 
read a fucking book hashtag read read a fucking book read a fucking book um but it's literally quite literally called i've probably mentioned this actually maybe before but i say it all the time bell hooks feminism is for everybody and how it literally talks about that and that's how i know my parents are feminists because you raise these strong women like that's how we came to be who we are um you are feminist because feminism is for everybody like not just women, right? Like, so the, quite literally the definition of feminism is the practices and, and, and like us, like ideologies that replace, replace patriarchal thinking and thoughts. That is quite literally what feminism is. It's just replacing patriarchal thoughts, which the patriarch consists of, you know, really harmful things like toxic masculinity, right? Like men aren't allowed to show emotion. Men aren't allowed to do this. Men have to do this. Things that make them you know, really, really toxic, which is what, you know, ultimately the men have some of the highest suicide rates, like, right, like the the suicide rate of men over women is much higher, where it's like, you should all be feminist too, because feminism says like, you have to get rid of that toxic masculinity, because you should be able to sit with your emotions and vulnerability, if that's who you are, right? Like, we say that it's equity across the board, not just for us. It's for everybody, we want to be treated equal. So it's like, People, people lose that like thought of like, because then they just think like, it's like women above men, but it's like, no, no, like it's everybody yeah. on like on this equitable thought. Yeah. I think men Ita- too. Italians in general, the culture is like not great with that. Um, but yeah. I think it might be getting better. I don't know. I'd love to go to Italy, you know, and see what things are actually like over there. Take a dip over to the other side. Um <laughs> And motherland, and just the motherland, and see how things are going over there. But I don't know; it's weird. It's this is like the longest I've lived away from a place that has like uh, like a lot of my culture around. It was interesting because I was looking for an Italian specialty store out here the other day, and hmm. there's like maybe like two. <laughs> but, like, what are you looking for? Excuse me. I would like uh, the <laughs> San Pellegrino, the um, the aranciata. Uh, fuck oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, the drink. It's so bitter, but it's a good like appetite opener, like before like a meal. You see how I'm getting now? Also, like I can't find Manhattan specials still. I don't I know. know if that's specific to Italian specialty stores, but and can I um, ship those? I could get them for you and ship them to you. Here's the thing: I'm like afraid they'll explode. Also, yeah, because they are carbonated. They're very carbonated. I remember when my uncle, after my uncle passed away, he used to sell those in his uh, deli. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad just brought home all the cases of it. And clearly me going through my grief, um, you know, period, I like was drinking like three a day and like <laughs> making myself feel so sick because like- I was going to say, did you see your heart physically beat out of the chest? I mean, I might as well. Like, it because they're-, they're if, for people that don't know, Manhattan specials are like espresso coffee sodas. So it's mm-hmm. like a little sweet. Um, and what's crazy is like, if you, you can tell when you get a bad batch, like my dad mm-hmm. would always, that would be like our, our like Saturday and Sunday morning routine. We'd walk to the bodega, he'd get a little Manhattan special in the newspaper mm-hmm. and then we'd come mm-hmm. home and he would yep. always let me have some. And he's like, this one's like not a good batch. So like you shipping them here, Oh, my other point was that they almost always fucking explode when you open them. Yes, absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah, I probably you, should not. You that. shipping them cross country mm-hmm. just makes me feel like I'm either going to get like a box full of like coffee <laughs> soda or like they're just going to like literally blow up my apartment like when I open More them. More like you'd get a Manhattan special surprise. <laughs> and the surprise... My eyes go missing because the bottle cap <laughs> took them out because it fucking exploded. Oh my god, I would make such a mess. He would get so angry. Thankfully, we had plastic on everything, so nothing. <laughs> that is so true. That is one thing I do not miss is the plastic on my yeah. My but like, you had it on the couch, right? We had it on the kitchen table, like so that I can understand. Like we had the oh, like the like over the tablecloth. Oh yeah, we yeah. had that too. We weren't one of those families that had the plastic on the couch because I think my mom was like, fuck no, <laughs> like we're not doing that. Our first couch did, our next couch did, did not. My grandmother's did for a really long time. I that feel was like fun. I remember being at your house and sitting on plastic. There's a good chance. Either that or like a couch cover. My mother loves yeah. couch covers. Because yeah, I think- couch covers, my- yeah. 
my personal opinion, my mother just loves to see how we all try to then put the couch cover back on. And she just loves to go, oh, none of you do it like none yeah. of you do it right. Yeah. Like that's why you buy couch covers is because you just want to say that you do it the best. It's the same reason why we have this spread in uh, in the, in our house, like our vacation <laughs> home, this fucking spread in the one bedroom. This thing is like 150 years old. And my mom loves to keep it on the bed because there's a certain way that she can then tell if you made the bed correctly because the spread would be the wrong way because no one can fucking tell which way it goes. And finally, my sister-in-law was like, Ma, get rid of the fucking spread because the only reason why you keep it is because you just love to say you didn't make the bed correctly. Like, that's the only reason you have this spread here. So fucking just get rid of it, please, so that people can make the bed correctly because they know how which way the spread goes. My... Like, my mom was also very much a, that was like I would say top three things that my sister and I got yelled at for growing up coming into the living room being like why does the couch look like this <laughs> why does the couch look like this you mean like people were sitting on it like two children like seven and eight year olds were sitting on the couch because there's children that live here I would say that's another big thing in an Italian household which is very interesting because like my grandmother lived downstairs, you know, we lived in the two family with the, we were in the upstairs apartment, mm-hmm. she was downstairs. And like, mm-hmm. we couldn't really have people like, we could have friends over, but like, it wasn't like a house where we could jump around in because like my grandmother would be like, why the fuck is everybody jumping around? There's fucking children here, Nonna. There's children at <laughs> home. Like, it's just, you know why they don't get it? Because in Italy, they just fucking send the kids out in the street to go play. And then they wonder right. why Pasquale comes back with like, you know, a fucking <laughs> nail in his foot. You know, like, <laughs> like, I love how I would always be like, basically, it's like, why did you all live in the living room? Yeah. Is that what you're asking, mother? Like, yeah. why did I sit on the couch? Or like, I don't know if you're like any of your family friends ever had this. They always had like a sitting room. Like you didn't actually go to sit in the sitting room. It was like the living room that was on display. Yeah. That's to have like vermouth and like an aperitif before you go in for yeah. like. But it's like. No one ever fucking comes over. Yeah, like no one ever fucking comes over. And even if they do, it's because we're we're gonna go sit in the kitchen with our coffee and our Edmonds cake. Uh, Like we're not sitting in this book because you would never put concrete even close to that room because you get fucking crumbs everywhere. (laughs) My mom used to get so mad. (laughs) Why are there crumbs (laughs) on the couch? The best was my mom would buy the Edmonds cake (laughs) and like she would bring it home. And then get mad at us when we would eat it. And she'd be like, it's in case company comes over. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you buy this cake for the hypothetical people that would eat it, but be mad at the actual people who live here for yeah. eating it? Like, oh she always God. had to keep one in the freezer. She was smart. She would always keep one in the freezer because then at least, you know, back then people would call you and give you at least like the 20 minute heads I, up. Yeah, I love that. We don't do that enough now. We need to bring that. Actually, you know what? Maybe we don't. I'm not a proponent for people, so I don't know why I think that's cute. Um, but you know, no, I'll tell you why I, I am being nostalgic for this, even though I'm just like, I'm very much an introvert. And I'm like, I need like three days warning before somebody comes over. <laughs> but like, uh, I I think it's cute because where we grew up and, you know, what, like I said, in our neighborhood, it's like we did kind of like know everybody. So, like, mm-hmm. you know your friend and, like, her mom, like, or whatever, their family lived, like, a block or two away. So, or your cousins lived, like, a block or two away. So, that was a little bit yep. different uh, where yeah. it's like, oh, they're just popping in to say, hey, you know. Um, Put a cup of coffee on with a pot of coffee. Oh, God, I you just reminded me. I need to get a stovetop espresso maker. I was just telling somebody this week that I need to get it. I've destroyed two of them because I was lazy about it. But I swear this time I'm going to be better. Or you know what? <laughs> Maybe I should just invest in like one of those three hundred dollar espresso machines. Honestly, the Nespresso. My so I was just about to say this to you. My dad absolutely requires that we have one of those espresso makers, but he only uses his Nespresso. It's like like a like a backup plan. Like it's like he can't like go, it's almost like a teddy bear for him. Like a safety right. plan. Well, the stovetop espresso is for specifically when company comes over. Because in espresso, you can only make like two double shots at once, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at least if you make, uh, you know, brown coffee on the stove, as they say, right? I believe Mm -hmm. brown coffee is the espresso and black coffee is American coffee. Um, You know, that then you have the stovetop espresso for when you have the company, you got your little lemon rind on the side to go with it maybe a little sambuca as my dad likes to have it uh my dad loves that i always hated sambuca Um, i think it's so funny that you're like oh well you have it in case company comes over after you're like i need three days mental preparation first of all not no ain't nobody coming to my house i live in a fucking studio okay like you get you're like you're in my house and you're like in my bedroom so like please leave but um (laughs) 
I'm not giving you fucking espresso. The only thing I, I want expressive is for you to get the fuck out of my ass. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not a bad person. I just am like, I just need, I like my space, um, you know. Just like, I'm not an arrogant asshole when it comes to my intelligence. Right, no, right, 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 Cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool, cool. Read a book. <laughs> read a book. Should I call the episode that fucking read a book? No, no one's going to know like, what the hell it's about. Uh, I mean, it, we could, but that's why they're going to have to listen to find out. Uh, we, um... We, we can, you always, I, I love how you've been naming the episodes. I really do. Like every time I'm oh. like, oh, that's a great, that's a great episode title. You're, you're the best. If I haven't said it lately, I do appreciate oh. Like these are just like the best way to start my day as well. Yeah. I appreciate you. I love you and I miss you. I love you and I miss you. It's going to be. All right. Yeah. That was, that was very kind. Um, <laughs> wow. I feel emotional over that now. Can, Sorry. Can, okay. Can you guys tell we're both really good with processing emotions? Nope. Can you tell that we we can do a whole other episode on that, people? But we've shit on our parents enough for one episode. Um, I don't think right, we've I'm had gonna... on them this round. I think we said some nice things. I think Holy we're poking, no, poking fun. What? You know our parents. They're fucking Italian. We could say a million nice things about them. They'll only hear the one bad thing we said and harp on that. <laughs> and gonna... you know that. I will say from like the first episode when I was talking about when we were like getting into like the family lineage, my dad called me with like seven different corrections about like Italy and like, yeah, all of which yeah, I've my, forgotten. Um, but all right. On that note, I have to go back. Yeah. I'm going to go make some, uh, actually, I think I'm going to make myself a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> I haven't even eaten breakfast yet. So yeah, let's, uh, let's get out of here. But, uh, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, I'm Anna. I'm Cola. Richard Broads from Brooklyn. Have a good one. Good night.